Welcome to Mutual Aid, a podcast produced by the South Carolina Sheriff's Association to help sheriffs better serve and protect South Carolina citizens. I am Jared Bruder, Executive Director of the South Carolina Sheriff's Association, and I'll be your host for today's episode. This podcast is brought to you by Off-Duty Management. Off-Duty Management provides law enforcement agencies, their officers, and community vendors with comprehensive administrative services, including liability coverage and workers' compensation for off-duty jobs at no cost to agencies or officers. Visit www.offdutymanagement.com for more information. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Mutual Aid. We've taken a couple months off from our uh, podcast here, and we're ready to jump back in with a new year. Uh, I'm excited to welcome our new uh, guest speaker in this week, and we're going to be welcoming in Cassie Alia Ray from Serve and Connect. Cassie, welcome to the podcast, Mutual Aid. Thank you so much for having me on, Jared. Absolutely. Absolutely. You uh, have been a friend of the Sheriff's Association for several years, uh, so some sheriffs may know who you are, may recognize your name or voice, and um, those kind of things. But uh, for those that are new or don't uh, remember who you are, please kind of give them an intro of who you are and your story and what Serve and Connect is. Yeah. Um, and certainly, y'all have been such a great friend to us. I've been so thankful for the work that we've been able to do together, especially providing support to officers that are critically injured or killed in line of duty. So, Jared, thank you so much for your partnership over the years. Absolutely. Um, thanks for having me on. Uh, so I am uh, the CEO and founder of Serve and Connect, um, which is a nonprofit organization with the mission of fostering positive change through sustainable police and community partnerships. Um, essentially, what we believe is at the end of the day, what police and community want is more the same than it is different for our communities to be safe, our families to be protected and our children to thrive. And we work together to help build the bridges and create the opportunities that enable police and citizens to work together as one community. And really, it's about moving towards shifting the narrative and the way in which our country is approaching this issue, Mm -hmm. uh, because we really believe that together we are better. And when police and community uh, work together, we can accomplish great things. You know, our law enforcement throughout our state, as you know, are doing amazing things to serve their community, to protect them, to promote safety, but they can't do it alone. Um, And so we try to be that Um, extra set of hands, hearts, and minds that help build those bridges and make uh, those partnerships possible. That's great. That's incredible. Well, tell tell us, I know uh, that's certainly the passion of your heart. Uh, You can see it and hear it anytime you get together with us and and talk about it. Um, What what was the driving factor to get you to do this? Yeah. So, the, the real impetus was my husband, Greg, uh, who was an officer with the Forest Acres Police Department, was killed in the line of duty on September 30th of 2015. Mm. And when he was killed, you know, the relationships, at least publicly, the unrest and, you know, the, um, the divisive narrative between police and those that they serve was really high. I mean, you think back to 2015, it was really similar to what we saw in 2020. And, you know, even before Greg's death, uh, I was very impacted as a police wife. Um, I didn't understand. I knew 
what a great man my husband was, um, a great father, husband, friend, and from all that I could gather, a really good cop. And it was hard before he was killed. And then uh, when he was killed, it just really magnified my experience of grief. You know, I knew nothing could bring him back. And I, to this day, I remain so proud of Greg. Uh, there has never been a moment where I have regretted that he went into law enforcement. That is the man he was. That is what he was called to do. And I am so proud of him. And I'm very confident that if given the opportunity, he would do it again, because that's the type of man he was. Um, but I wondered if given the negative narrative that was out there at the time, it made me wonder if other people understood his heart and what he had sacrificed in service to our community. And mm -hmm. I really hurt. And, um, you know, I, I saw pretty quickly that at least here in Forest Acres, that wasn't the case. Um, the community wrapped their arms around us and the outpouring of love was just unbelievable. Um, but still, I felt very deeply called to do something that could bring people together. Um, you know, I just wasn't quite sure what that something was. Right. But over time, a lot of listening and learning and talking to a lot of officers, talking to a lot of members in the community, doing a lot of research. Um, it's a pretty long journey, but at the end of it, what I just came to see was at the end of the day, what we all want is more the same than it is different. Like I said, that we want our communities to be safe. We want our families to be protected and we want our kids to thrive. And in order to make that happen, we have to come together. So it's really about creating a bridge that enables um, us to come together on that common ground and work together as one team to make that vision a reality. Yeah. i tell you what, there are probably, probably two things in the last five or 10 years that have just, have watched and has floored me with the way that the people have reacted. And uh, one of them was the way that the families reacted after Dylan Roof uh, did what he did with the mother manual shootings down there. And the families came in and forgave him. And I just, I, I did not understand it, could not wrap my mind around it. And quite frankly, if I was in their shoes, even though I'm a believer in Jesus, I, there's no, I don't know that I could have done that. And then the second thing was to watch you, uh, do very similar things and and lead uh, in in your time of grief, and I I was shocked and amazed by those things as well. So um, you know, very very um, moving, very inspiring for you to do what you did there. And and again, it's it's out of uh, the passion that Greg had, the passion that you have, and and the belief that all we really want is the same thing to to have safe societies, have safe communities and places where our families can live and grow and, and breathe and do all those great things. But, um, you know, just very, uh, moved. I still remember seeing you stand out there with the car and, uh, Sal and, and just speaking. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's amazing. But, um, but that, that has, uh, like you said, that has turned, uh, into a lot of listening to officers, a lot of listening to communities and y'all, Y'all have helped, like we, like you said at the very beginning, we, we have partnered with y'all, uh, the, the Sheriff's Association has, so as the Chiefs Association and FOP and others, the SCLAOA, uh, anytime that there is a, uh, an officer killed in the line of duty or those types of situations. And so uh, I know you uh, 
were the, I guess, the benefactor of a lot of outpouring of love when Greg died and, and you've tried to help uh, make sure that we can do that for a lot of others as well. So, um, just for the sheriffs that are listening and their benefit, uh, I pray that they never have to go through some of those things. I pray that they never have to have an officer, uh, or respond and help the family. But in the event that they do, um, they need to be aware that, that myself or you will probably be reaching out and, uh, we'll be helping them to set up something, uh, to help, help set up an online giving campaign. And then, uh, um, if we could all kind of aim our efforts at that campaign and get that up and moving within, you know, the first 12 to 24 hours after an event, that's really going to be beneficial for the officer's family. Um, so I don't, I don't yeah. know if you want to speak to that um, at all. Thank you so much for your kind words. Um, it's been such an honor to be a part of our outstanding statewide uh, network that wraps their arms around law enforcement in their time of need. And, you know, I know firsthand I was a beneficiary of that love and support and the tremendous impact it had on our family. Um, you know, I remember so vividly being in the driveway of Greg's parents' house um, the day he was killed. And there's just such a flood of feeling, certainly just the, the grief, the heartbreak, overwhelmingness of losing my partner, um, my best friend, but also just this real fear. I mean, I was a, a became instantly a single mother um, of a young baby. Sal just turned six months old that day. And at the time I was a grad student married to a cop. So it's like not all, already we were not um, rolling in the dough <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And just this fear of, oh my God, like how are we actually going to make it? And the outpouring of love that came from the community and through our outstanding law enforcement support network is, I mean, it just, it helped me really feel that love and also just reduce that very real fear that I had. And um, it's something that knowing firsthand that impact that we have continued to do ever since, um, thanks to the partnership with y'all and as you mentioned so many others galoa fop um chiefs association um and what we learned very specifically is so initially it was all focused on officers killed in the line of duty and so when they're killed in line of duty very specifically more around if it's um a you know a shooting um any sort of like felonious act or car accident um uh -huh. assault uh, that's when we offer our support to any police officer in the state of South Carolina that is killed as a result of um, some sort of felonious um, or car accident in the state. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we learned uh, largely because of the um, outreach from Sheriff Tolson is when the tragedy happened in York, we reached out to offer the support for Mike Doty's family, and he just I mean, his heart is just so big. And he said, you know, if we're going to do this for Mike, we really need to do it for the three other officers that were injured. And it was through that experience and advocating for them that I just learned about the uh, tremendous hardship that officers critically injured in the line of duty can experience. And so we've since extended that um, support to when an officer is critically injured. And so, so specifically what that looks like is um, when an officer is killed or critically injured in the line of duty, we are honored uh, with at the request and um, 
welcome of both the department and that officer's family to set up a fundraising page uh, through our nonprofit organization. So that allows us, um, first of all, any donation is tax exempt. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it, it makes it so that it's a trusted source, not, you know, there are a lot of times people will try to set up a GoFundMe account um, right. after yeah. a tragedy, but not everyone feels comfortable giving to a GoFundMe. Um, you can set up a bank account, which we still recommend and support, but not everyone like that just is an extra step for people. And so to have a trusted online option um, can be very appealing and very helpful uh, to support those donations. Um, how it, we want it to happen is that, that the um, donation site stays up for three months. Um, and uh, we, the goal is we found it is most effective the soonest that it is put up after a tragedy happens. So right. I really hope that the sheriffs listening here do not need our support, but if they do, we found that really, if you go past much past that 72 hour mark, it's gonna significantly limit um, just the overall effectiveness. So the sooner we get it up, the better. Yeah. Um, and that we can incorporate it into the initial media outreach and when it's on people's like the front forefront of people's minds. Um, but how it works, then 100 percent of that money goes to the family. And if they have a need that sooner um, than that three month mark, the, the beauty is, is that we are very flexible because we're not, uh, you know, we're not the you don't need to wait for those federal dollars to come in. Um, right. We can we can turn that around. So um that is a service that is available to any uh, law enforcement um, agency in the state of South Carolina. So that's um, certainly something that I would encourage the sheriffs to, you know, any sheriff's office of any size. Um, I think anybody, if you have an officer that's, like you said, severely injured or, or God forbid, killed in the line of duty, uh, you will see people come out of the woodwork to provide support. But you will also see that if you're not organized and if you're not ready to receive that support, then it can be squandered or pushed off in a lot of different areas. People uh, will try to capitalize on that. They'll set up all these types of GoFundMe's, GoFundMe accounts and all these different things, and, and they won't always get back to the family. So uh, that's why I've always tried to encourage the sheriffs to um, lean on us, you know, lean on your fellow sheriffs, lean on these types of organizations like our sheriff's association and your organization that can kind of help lead through that to make sure that they have a single, single source, a single point of contact, um, that we can go ahead and get those things set up and we can start helping provide that assistance there. So, you know, again, y'all, y'all have that running for about three months and they, uh, collect usually a good chunk of change for those, uh, families. And we've also got our line of duty death benefits and others do as well that can help more within the immediate time frame. So um, there, are, there are options and opportunities out there for uh, agencies that are going through that. So um, but but that is not all that serve and connect does. Do uh, you want to take a minute to kind of explain uh, the other things that they do and, and get into Greg's groceries and those types of things as well? Yeah, absolutely. So before I do, though, on this note, I just want to make um, a few points. So sure. I, um, if I remember at the time of Greg's death, so I was 28 and Greg had just turned 32. So we're pretty young, young baby. Um, you know, of course, he's in a dangerous line of work, but 
you know, you don't really think, and you can't live in that space of thinking about the what ifs. Um, I'm glad we didn't. However, mm -hmm. I do wish we had been better prepared. Um, on our whiteboard in our kitchen, like our like to do's was write will. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a will in place. And, you know, thankfully, like, we didn't have, I guess, thankfully or unthankfully, we didn't really have a lot of assets. Like, it wasn't very challenging to know. Right. Like, it was kind of straightforward. But since helping other families, not everyone is so fortunate. And those challenges of not being prepared can make an already heartbreaking and horrible situation even worse. Yeah. And so to all the sheriffs out there, I know y'all are busy. You are strapped to the nines, um, you know, trying to make sure that you have all of your positions filled and you're pulled left and right and crime is on the rise. Like there's so much going on, but if I can say anything, please, please, please make sure that your deputies are protected. Um, please encourage them to update their wills annually. There are different free services mm -hmm. that are available in the state to make that happen. Please make sure that their insurance paperwork is up to date. And if you're able to, please get them a professional headshot. You know, I think about like there's a picture on um, it was like I saw it had made it in like Germany or something. Of oh, wow. Greg holding Sal holding a giant piece of steak. And it was kind of it's like kind of hilarious given Greg's love for all meat products. But <laughs> um, it probably would have been better to have a professional picture for him. That's that's uh, that's awesome to have that kind of perspective and, and insight to share. Because, I mean, again, you know, you don't you don't think about those things on the front end because you don't think it's ever going to happen. But then on the back end, after it has happened, it's, it's the lessons learned. So that's, uh, and you can help like that family. I mean, and especially if they're not married or something like it just adds families are already hurting and we don't yeah. want to make it worse for them. And those officers don't want it worse on their families. They want their families protected. So let's do our best to make sure that we're doing what we can to be proactive. Not the likelihood that it's going to happen is low, but it's yeah. still a very dangerous job. Let's do what we can to protect them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yes, you asked about the other things that we do. And so, like I said, overall, I mean, the big why that we exist, if we're successful, like we, want to change the way our country is approaching police community issues. We believe that uh, the way we're going about doing things, this divisive rhetoric is not only ineffective, but it's harming both sides. I mean, you look at the impact of the riots and the national um, unrest and you know, I, I hear often officers are like, well, that's not our community. And that's true. And I and I, I saw that firsthand when Greg was killed. Mm -hmm. But still, you look at the um, impact on officer mental health of this national narrative and social media and traditional media. And it's really hurts officers and it really hurts their families. And we are seeing those ramifications in a really big way in terms of officer mental health and suicides and them just, you know, retiring early or quitting and they're like, this isn't worth it. You know, I got mm -hmm. in here because I care and I want to serve others, but I didn't get into this to be spit on and attacked. And that's happening in yeah. some of the communities across our state. And uh, so it's really hurting officers. Um, it's hurting community members. And you look at just the, um, just the impact and uh, you can't have a direct correlation between like the divisiveness and that, but like you look at the, the rise in violence, I read a statistic 
that um, murder rates went up um, in 2020, 30%, which is the highest on record. And when we look at like how to address violent crime, police can't do it alone. They have to have the community in partnership working with them to make that happen. But if the relationships are so fragmented and that trust is so broken, we can't do it. Right. Um, and so we really want to change that narrative and we are proud and honored. And I am so thankful to be here in South Carolina in a state with so many incredible law enforcement officers and so many great community leaders. And we really can get things done and be a model for the rest of our country to follow. Um, and so we have different programs and services that are all intended towards that aim. You know, how, first and foremost, how can we work with our partners, our police agencies that we're working with, our communities that we're partnering with to make a big impact? And when I say make a big impact, it's if we can help support them in having those strengthened partnerships and community, really at the core of it is what community policing is intended to be, which is partnerships that address root causes of crime. And we can show big impacts that's positive for that community, that agency, but also it helps us communicate to the rest of the country. Like, look what happens when police and community work together in this way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the big framing. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, um, um, I mean, I just comment on that real quickly. It's, it's, uh, yeah, Cassie, that's the thing. I don't know a single officer that has ever gotten into the profession just because they want to exert that control or authority or anything else. Almost almost to a person, every single one that I talk to, they just say they want to get into law enforcement to help people. You know, they they want to help their communities. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to be there when when times go bad. They want to they want to help people through the worst days of their lives. So um, you know, I, I truly believe that that's at the heart of what most law enforcement officers are doing. Uh, and the other thing is, is that um, I know Chief Keel has said it multiple times and a lot of other people have kind of adopted the same mantra. But uh, he's often said, you can't wait till you're in the middle of a crisis to build a relationship. And, and that's true, not just with community leaders and, and those types of folks, but it's also true on on. I guess the micro level of officers working with different communities and working with people. If, if the first time they see you is uh, when they're invest- when you're investigating a murder or you're investigating this and there's no other relationship, there's not going to be a trust relationship there. Uh, so you're going to have to build those things and you're going to have to work through those things. So, um, you know, that I guess is the essence of community policing, but, uh, y'all, mm-hmm. y'all kind of fostered that as well through the services that y'all are offering. So tell me a little bit more about uh, and tell the sheriff a little bit more about Greg's Groceries and, and what you're doing with that. Um, and we'll kind of walk through that a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you so wholeheartedly, Jared. And uh, a statistic that we, we did a survey back in 2017 that we offered statewide to um, officers. And in it, um, 94% of the respondents said that community policing was important to them, and 93% of the officers said that they felt they could make a positive impact in their community, but only 29% said that they had the resources that they needed to help someone in need. Wow. And I think that's be staggering. Like, these officers, it, it reinforces your point that they got into this because they care, they want to help others, they believe that they can. But they need some support to make that happen. 
Um, a few months before Greg died, he said, uh, you know, it was around the time of the I think, Freddie Gray riots in Baltimore. And mm-hmm. I was like, what do you think about, about all this? And he said, you know, no one wants um, a bad cop brought to justice more than a good cop. But for every one negative story you hear in the news, there are thousands of positive stories happening every day that go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. And Greg was so right. Yeah. And so kind of leaning on both that recognition as well as the feedback from officers, we saw both a need and an opportunity. You know, every day officers are coming across people in crisis and many times they are going out of their own way and own pocket to help. Um, So number one, that's a great opportunity to really celebrate the good things that officers are doing, the the small acts of kindness that are really building bridges of trust and hope between officers and citizens that doesn't often get attention. Mm-hmm. But also those are opportunities to further grow that trust and grow that impact um, by making sure that officers have the support that they need to be able to assist people. We've heard um, from officers that Sometimes they won't ask those hard questions, like the questions that kind of go beyond the enforcement that could really lead to an open door conversation if they don't feel that they have the resources on hand to help. Because if you ask, like, how are you? What do you need? And you can't help them in return. Like, you don't want to ask that. Right. And so one of the ways that we try to make sure to support officers is through our Compassionate Act program, which provides resources to police. So that when they come across people um, in crisis, they're able to help. One of the biggest ways we do that is through Greg's Grocery. Uh, so it provides boxes of non-perishable food um, to law enforcement officers in South Carolina. Um, so if they come across, you know, someone experiencing hunger um, or they want to use it as like a bridge building opportunity for relationships in uh, some of the higher crime neighborhoods or with communities that often experience distrust, they're able to help. Um, okay. One story that jumped out that's recent, it was um, an officer in uh, Richland County. Um, he pulled over um, a woman who, you know, it's clear that she was just having a really, really in a bad place, um, very emotionally distraught. She had, you know, big bruise on her head. Um, all of these signs were suggesting uh, some sort of domestic mm-hmm. assault, but she was down and didn't want to talk. Her car had broken down, actually. And the officer recognized that she wasn't talking, very shut down. And the officer realized that she had food um, in her front seat that, you know, should have been refrigerated. And, um, you know, it kind of led to a conversation where he's like, was able to talk about the food and ask how she was doing um, because he had boxes of great groceries in his car. Um, he felt confident to have this conversation and had come to find out that the woman was, you know, in fact, fleeing a domestic situation. She was out of her house. She had groceries for her kids that she just couldn't, I mean, she didn't know where to put them. And so they yeah. would spoil. Um, and so the, because he had this box of food, it was able to open doors for a deeper conversation and um, that olive branch that without it would have been much more difficult. Wow. Um, another deputy, it was a Richmond County deputy, he another example out of um, Richmond County, he um, was saying that there was a neighborhood that um, just no one would talk to him. And um, he used the box of the great groceries as part of strategic outreach, um, kind of started using it to open conversations saying, hey, you know, I have these boxes of food, do you know anyone in need? 
And what he said happened was through that outreach, people who wouldn't even talk to him before were asking for him by name. And um, I thought that was impressive. So those are some of the ways that this program can help. Um, We're really proud to be in over 50% of all the counties in the state at this time with Greg's Groceries. And we also are working with SLED. So even outside of those um, direct agencies in the county, SLED has that statewide impact. And what's so cool about that, to my knowledge, this makes us the only statewide multi-agency community policing initiative in the country. And with that, um, this year, our big focus is impact. So with our partners, really making sure that they have the support to be able to measure and demonstrate the huge impact that they're making in their community. So we can say to the rest of our country in a big way, like, it's not just one officer. It's not just one agency. Look at all of these agencies. Look at all these ways that officers are helping build trust and the impact that's having. And there is a different way. Um, And I think that will make that message really loud and clear. So it's not only about helping officers, but also about this movement that we're all united around. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an incredible story. And, you know, I hear from so many different sheriffs across the state that they, they've got murders happening or they've got incidents happening in their communities and, and communities are sitting there, they're seeing the, they got witnesses, they're sitting there watching these things happen, uh, but they are not coming forward and providing information that's going to help uh, make an arrest or make a prosecute a case because I, I just don't know that they have that trust relationship there. But, but uh, this, this program, Greg's Groceries is opening those doors uh, uh, building those trust relationships and allowing those folks to have those kind of open dialogue conversations. So uh, certainly something that I would encourage all the sheriffs to to get involved with. Um, tell, tell me if, if an agency, if a sheriff is sitting out there listening now, how do they get involved with Greg's Groceries? What do they need to do? I mean, really, if you email, um, I'll just keep it simple. If you email me at K-A-S-S-Y at serve and and connect.net go to our website serve and connect.net we'll put you in touch um with the right uh, jenny on our team runs our compassionate acts program so i can put you in touch with her um but you know i recognize that a box of food you know it's not the end all be all and people criticize like it's really going to make that big of a difference but when done consistently and when done in a way that um, really shows that compassion, it can make a huge difference. So we can't underestimate the impact of the small acts of kindness, and we're seeing it in so many ways. Another yeah. thing just to clarify that can be misunderstood about the program is I'll have a lot of agencies that say, um, you know, oh, well, we already do Meals on Wheels, or we work at the, um, the food pantry. This doesn't replace that. It's those are great ways to, because through Meals on Wheels, you're getting access to those seniors. You're also having relationship with that organization. The food pantry is kind of the same thing. Greg's Groceries is um, very, uh, can be done in conjunction with those efforts. It's designed by officers for officers, and it's really mm-hmm. designed to be a resource to departments to help with that community policing strategic outreach. So, um, it, we try to work with, and this is the big focus of 2022, is really making sure that we're providing that technical assistance, the support to agencies to magnify their impact through this program in a way that best meets their community's needs. That's great. That's great. Well, I, like I said, I definitely want to encourage 
uh, all the sheriffs to get involved. I know I've seen several sheriffs themselves, uh, not only their uh, deputies and other folks from their offices uh, packing boxes at Greg's groceries events, but uh, I've seen sheriffs there doing the same thing. So I know there are several that have already embraced it, and I hope that others will join them as well. And 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 tell me before we wrap up, tell me there's a pretty cool sticker that's on each one of those boxes. Tell me a little bit about the sticker that's on there. It's so meaningful. So um, last year we went into a process. We worked with a team of officers um, to kind of redesign the program, and with it came like all new branding. And I'm so touched. Like. What we heard from both the officers and recipients is like it was very important that the boxes be recognizable so officers knew what it was, but also very um, respectful to the recipients. So it wasn't like this glaring police box, right. I guess, right. um, or just be very respectful, warm, welcoming. Um, and so when we came to the design, it actually includes um, Greg's drawings. So Greg um, was a cartoonist, he had drawn, he had drawn pictures of different officers um, at Forest Acres, and so that is actually what's included on this um, logo, and so it's really meaningful and special, and I think gives that welcoming, um, warm touch. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. His uh, legacy is living on and, and continuing to help build bridges and bring communities together. He's still protecting and serving even after he's passed, so that's that's incredible. Well, uh, again, uh, Cassie and, and all Serving Connect, you said servingconnect.net, right? That's your uh, website? Yep. Okay, so servingconnect.net. Yep, if you've got any uh, questions out there about Serving Connect or anything like that, feel free to reach out to Cassie. Um, she's been an incredible asset to us, and I know she's going to be continuing to help us uh, build those bridges in communities across the state. Uh, Cassie, any, any final comments for the sheriffs? Thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for um, keeping our community safe. Uh, I'm so appreciative of y'all and look forward to finding ways to work together. Um, and I guess just one closing thought, Jared. You know, when we opened up, um, you had made a comment that made me think about you're talking about, you know, the Emmanuel Nine, the mm -hmm. forgiveness, and kind of witness with our family and. I think when I've reflected on one of the, the biggest challenges to bringing people together, it's like we, we want healing to take place. We want, like I said, our communities to be safe, our families to be protected and our children to thrive. Um, but it's scary, you yeah. know, to come together and to try something new, to be vulnerable in that way can be scary. I think for some that they feel by letting go, they may be letting, um, go that protection for their families. I think there's a fear of letting them down or what, what risk that may play. And if I can say anything, it's the actual best offense we have to these issues and some of our greatest challenges we face in communities is to lean in and build those bridges. And that starts with leadership throughout our state. And um, if there's any way that beyond what we've offered that I can be a partner or um, you know, just walk side by side with y'all to make that happen. I really believe we can make huge strides and pave the pathway for the rest of our country to follow. Um, so I'm here and honored to help in any way I can. Fantastic way to close out the first episode of the year for mutual aid. 
Cassie, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, I'm sure that we'll be Thanks. pushing more folks your way. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Jared. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mutual Aid, a podcast produced by the South Carolina Sheriff's Association to help sheriffs better serve and protect South Carolina citizens. For more information on today's discussion or to discover more about the South Carolina Sheriff's Association, please visit our website at www.sheriffsc.com. We thank you for your continued support and hope you will join us next month for a new episode of Mutual Aid. Now, please stand by for a word from our sponsor. Again, this episode of Mutual Aid was brought to you by our friends at Off-Duty Management. Off-Duty Management provides law enforcement agencies, their officers, and community vendors with comprehensive administrative services, including liability coverage and workers' compensation for off-duty jobs at no cost to agencies or officers. Visit www.offdutymanagement.com for more information. Many thanks to Off-Duty Management for their continued support of South Carolina Sheriffs.